The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! Hello and welcome to this episode, an intermission episode of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, a movie podcast. I'm Daniel, and uh, usually uh, Lee and I and uh, Paul uh, will sit around and talk about a movie or two that we have uh, watched this week. Uh, Lee was not available. Um, He had some uh, personal issues he had to deal with, Um, and so I volunteered to... Uh, basically talk to you guys myself and do uh, kind of an intermission episode because uh, I have watched quite a few things that I thought would be interesting to talk about uh, on this podcast. And so um, <laughs> those of you who uh, only listen for the much more entertaining Lee and Paul segments uh, can basically turn this off now. Um, in this episode, I'm going to talk about a few things that I watched, uh, basically all streaming on Netflix or mostly streaming on Netflix, um, including a TV series, um, and I'll kind of dig into that uh, pretty shortly. A little warning for you guys, um, I do have a cat and a dog playing uh, behind me, so um, there may be a little bit of extraneous background noise, but I'm not going to take it that seriously. Um, you guys can just deal. Um, so the, the first thing I do want to mention is that I did watch the uh, Netflix uh, series, uh, Making a Murderer. Um, this is uh, streaming on Netflix. You can watch it. It's 10 episodes long. Um, it's pretty much kind of a, a cult sensation, not even a cult sensation. It's this big popular thing right now. Um, I had heard it's it's pretty addictive, so I put on the first episode and then ended up watching all ten of them over the course of about two days. Um, it's hugely marathonable. Um, it's a really, really effective uh, crime documentary. Uh, what I'm going to do is I, I am going to talk a little bit about that, but I'm going to save it for the end. Um, that way, uh, anybody who's kind of worried about spoilers for that um, or just not interested in listening to me talk about uh, something that isn't really in the purview of this podcast, I uh, can kind of um, wait to the end. Um, but I, I do recommend it. It is really good. At least watch the first um, episode or two. I, I think it really does uh, grab you. And I do have lots of thoughts about it. So, um, so hang on to that. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. Another big thing I uh, got to watch, this one is streaming on Netflix. It is a little um, kind of um, sci-fi action film independent drama thing uh, called Time Lapse. Um, this is really small, it's intimate, um, it does have kind of a time travel element, and uh, I would recommend, if you're interested in that, um, I do recommend this film, it is it is uh, pretty effective, it's uh, well acted, um, it does have some issues, but uh, I'd recommend if you haven't seen it, and you find it at all interesting to uh, not learn anything more about it, just sit down and watch it. Um, this is uh, probably one that works best uh, having as little knowledge about it as possible. Um, I did. And um, I will say that uh, some of the stuff towards the middle of the film, um, some of the performances and some of the, the kind of minor characters that show up, um, in particular one uh, I found uh, kind of unrealistic and, and a little bit too much genre furniture uh, for me. But um, I thought overall this is a pretty effective little, uh, little kind of sci-fi drama. Uh, about uh, three characters who find a uh, machine that can uh, take photos uh, one week or one uh, day, 24 hours in advance. Um, so basically you're getting a photo 
of tomorrow, um, and it's kind of this locked off photo, and uh, kind of it, it asks some interesting questions about free will and about um, you know explorations of, of these character dynamics. I think it is pretty effective. Um, it is definitely worth watching, and um, yeah, go check that out. Yeah, again, it has some issues, but um, it, it's still it's still worth uh, it's still worth uh, you know ninety minutes or, or an hour and forty minutes of your time. Uh, the next thing I watched uh, is a um, terrible, terrible comedy. It's called uh, Ten Rules for an Open Relationship. Uh, I was uh, kind of in the mood for a, a kind of silly sex comedy, and um, you know, I'm even though this had a one star rating on Netflix, I thought, well, let's pull it up anyway and just see what I have to say about it. And uh, wow, this thing is terrible. Uh, it's it's got some actors in it that are a bunch of people who are in uh, kind of Disney Channel productions and then now have gotten older. I mean, I guess it's fairly effective in terms of, like, the performances aren't terrible, but they're pretty bad. Um, this is uh, basically just a deeply, deeply unfunny uh, sex comedy. Um, it doesn't even really have any nudity in it. Um, it. It does get more and more desperately unfunny as you go. There's maybe 30 minutes worth of material in this. Um, it is a total idiot plot, and it's stretched out to 90 minutes. I will say that uh, Michael McKeon and Wendy McLendon Covey are both in this. Um, they're both pretty good. Um, particularly Michael McKeon is, is pretty much the the reason to watch this film as he often is. Um, but don't don't watch it. This is this is pretty terrible. Um, it has nothing insightful to say about open relationships or about um, sex in general. Um, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, don't watch it. Another uh, comedy that that worked a little bit better. Uh, it was a little movie called uh, All Cheerleaders Die. Um, this is a kind of um, slasher film, supernatural horror film, uh, parody sort of thing. Uh, it takes a while to get going. It's um, it takes about thirty minutes to really get you into the the kind of overall plot. Um, it spends a lot of time on its uh, characters in the in the first third or so, uh, and not necessarily in an effective way. Um, I think that uh, ultimately, kind of the way that this goes doesn't really sell its character beats as well as it should if it's going to focus on these characters so much. Um, and in particular, where we spend a lot of time uh, basically getting to know characters who are just going to, to die and not really do anything in, in between. Um, I really wish they'd, they'd either cut this cast down a little bit um, and, and really focused on the, the people that we're supposed to care about, or that they had um, just gone straight up full out comedy on it and, and uh, not uh, and, and that way we can kind of revel in the uh, the satire a little bit more. Um, there is some kind of delicious satire going on here, and um, this is a a, a film with a, that has a pretty strong queer theme. Um, I think this will become a, a kind of a or it might become kind of a, a camp classic among uh, queer kids in the future, um, because uh, fundamentally the the kind of two main characters are are a lesbian couple, and uh, it, it's pretty it's pretty good at that. One thing I will say that 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 bothered me about the film was just that uh, the the main villain a uh, when you only have one black dude in a film, uh, don't make him your villain. Um, particularly a a almost cacklingly evil. A terrible person um, who lives to uh, sexually abuse women uh, and um, stab them. Uh, that, that's usually not the best thing to do with the only black character in your film. Um, it's kind of a very overplotted. It does spend a lot of time in that first third kind of giving us a lot of backstory that doesn't lead anywhere. Um, I know there's supposed to be a sequel to this, and maybe some of that gets used in the sequel, but it, it feels just really overstuffed and... Um, it really could have used a, a kind of a rewrite or two to really uh, dig into some of these uh, some of these ideas a little bit more deeply. One other criticism I'd have of the film is just that the uh, 
the the villain, the the main bad guy, you know, he's really really evil, and the uh, sequences of him um, kind of being abusive, emotionally and sexually abusive, are uh, way too intense for what should be kind of a, a fun and goofy uh, kind of spoof of uh, kind of supernatural horror. I, uh, I I do think it kind of unbalances the film, and it does make it a, a lot more uncomfortable to watch than I think it, it was necessarily intended to be. Um, you know, ultimately, you can do kind of a, a kind of a, a commentary on uh, sexual violence and do it in kind of a satirical or parodic way, um, and you can do kind of intense uh, kind of sexual violence and, and make that meaningful. Uh, but it, it really just feels like it's it's a little bit out of place here, and I I didn't um think it, it was well handled. So um, that's something that, um, that mattered to me, and I would definitely um, have a hard time recommending it to, um, in kind of a general way, without letting people know that that's something that's in the film. Uh, next, I've got two films, which are uh, effectively uh, kind of forgettable action films. Uh, the first is called Blitz, and this was, uh, again, streaming on Netflix. Uh, this is a Jason Statham uh, vehicle. Uh, Jason Statham is um, sleepwalking through this, uh, it's essentially a, a Dirty Harry or a Death Wish uh, remake. Uh, it's a, another, you know, kind of a vaguely misogynistic, uh, homophobic, uh, violent cop who who uh, goes by his own rules and uh, teaming up with uh, the kind of the Goody Two Shoes character. Um, this is uh, pretty much completely unreconstructed. Uh, everybody's kind of walking through it. Um, I didn't uh, write down the actor's name, but the uh, the guy who plays the kind of Goody Two Shoes was uh, in. Uh, Hot Fuzz. Uh, he's quite good. I I would love to see a better movie with these two actors in it. Uh, but this is this is really really forgettable. Um, uh, there there's a subplot involving a a young police officer, a young female police officer who is uh, uh, kind of becomes addicted to drugs. And and I mean this this is apparently based on a series of novels, or or it's one of a series of novels involving this character. And um, it feels that way. I mean, it definitely feels like an adaptation of kind of a a generic crime novel. Um, I don't have an issue with that even, um, but it, it would be nice to get um, a little bit more uh, depth on this if we're if we're going to um, kind of want to follow this character around. Um, it's really forgettable. In fact, I forgot I had uh, watched it um, and when I was going to sit and record this until I uh, I have a spreadsheet of all the films that I, I watched recently, so that way I don't forget them. And uh, this was this was really almost ridiculously easy to forget. The only other thing I'll uh, say about this film is that Dirty Harry was 45 years ago, and are we still writing basically an unreconstructed version of that character? I mean, Dirty Harry had a more sophisticated view of, um, you know, police violence and, and kind of road cops than uh, this film does. And, um, you know, uh, again, completely forgettable. Um, the other one I watched was a, a film called My Name is Modesty. Uh, this was a kind of uh, it's basically based on the Modesty Blaze comics. Um, this is a film from 2004. It feels a lot like a TV pilot. Um, it doesn't really feel like a feature film. Um, the, uh, the the lead actress who plays Modesty Blaze is um, uh, perfectly fine, but but nothing uh, memorable. Um, the film is uh, fairly well directed. Um, it's basically low budget. It, it feels like kind of a, a bottle episode. It uh, basically is is largely set on in, in one um, kind of casino uh, and uh, basically on one small set. Uh, it's a pretty it's pretty decent. Um, seventy eight minutes long. It's worth seventy eight minutes, I guess, if you're interested in um, watching something like this. 
Uh, it's mildly diverting, but um, again, really, really forgettable. Um, really uh, not uh, anything you should really seek out. It, I would, I would kind of, I mean, again, it feels very, very much like a, a, a kind of a, a low budget TV series, like kind of an action TV series from the mid two thousands. Um, and uh, I, if that's something that sounds uh, at all interesting to you, it's it's free streaming on on Netflix. Um, I'll probably never think of it again after this moment. Uh, something that's a little bit better for you to watch um, is a uh, documentary called Electric Boogaloo. Um, this is a documentary about Canon films. Um, this is really, really entertaining. It's really, really fun. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it it kind of goes through the whole history of Canon films and of the uh, the two brothers that started it. All those um, 70s and 80s uh, cheesetastic action uh, tits films, uh, which uh, we love so much on this show. Uh, we should really do more Canon films on uh, They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. Um, Lee, if you're listening to this, um, I would definitely uh, love to watch some of these uh, films, maybe do a, a Canon month or something. Uh, the one thing I will say about the documentary is that um, it lacks a little bit of a distance and critical eye towards its material. Um, it really kind of accepts uncritically the uh, the kind of um, I don't want to say hero worship, but there is a little bit of a of a kind of heroism of the two guys. And you know, look at how goofy and fun their uh, movie company was, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's uh, I would I would rather see something that had a little bit more like like to to hear from some of the people who who did not get on with these two guys, um in the documentary. Um, but it is uh, you know it's it's perfectly fine. It's just sort of um you know it, it definitely buys into that that hero logic a little bit more. So I actually did watch one uh, canon film, uh just uh, inspired by the documentary. I uh, found a copy of Last American Virgin. Um, this is uh, from the early '80s. It's kind of a Porky's knockoff. Um, it delivers still nudity. Um, it's pretty diverting. It's kind of fun. It's about these uh, three guys uh, trying to get laid and the little misadventures they get into. Uh, there's nothing hugely complex about this. Um, you can watch it with the sound off and get pretty much the, the, the plot of the film. We'll just kind of follow along. Um, there's some uh, pretty cute little sequences um, involving uh, substituting sweet and low for cocaine and... Um, and uh, uh, a middle-aged uh, Hispanic woman who uh, screws the teenage protagonists and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, you probably know if this is up your alley or not. Uh, the one thing I'll say is that the uh, there's a, in the final third you get this like abortion subplot that um, kind of comes out of nowhere, and um, the ending of the film is kind of an, an MRA fever dream. I mean, it definitely uh, it, it kind of gets this like big emotional heft at the very end that I think is is completely unearned and. Um, yeah, deals with some pretty nasty stereotypes about, you know, quote-unquote nice guys, etc. Probably worth watching if you if you like these kind of 80s uh, cheesetastic sex flicks. Um, it delivers on the nudity, it delivers on the kind of goofy comedy, but um, it's it's mostly pretty forgettable. Just go watch Porky's instead. Um, finally, the last film I'm going to talk about is I, ta uh, I watched uh, The Thin Blue Line, and this is uh, the Errol Morris documentary. Uh, from the from 1988, as I recall, uh, this is uh, I'd never seen this before. Although I, I kind of had known of it, this is a kind of the film that Errol Morris uh, built his um, kind of current style on. Um, he uh, basically the Philip Glass score, the uh, use of the the kind of locked off cameras, the the act of the reenactments. Um, this is uh, sort of the first time that Errol Morris used a lot of those techniques, and this is definitely going to be um, you know th this is really where. You see Errol Morris become Errol Morris. Um, this is a, a truly great film. I mean, it's rightly called one of the great documentaries of all of all time. Um, it's also a great little crime movie because um, it is uh, ultimately about you know kind of 
interrogating who killed this cop. I mean, that that's sort of the, that's the basic story is trying to figure out who who killed this guy. Um, again, probably the little the, letter, the less you know about it, probably the the more interesting you're going to find this. Um, if you're not familiar with the case at all, uh, and you don't kind of know how this ends, um, it, basically you there's a, there's a guy who ends up getting out of prison. Uh, because of the the action of this film, and I think everybody watching it would know that going in, so I don't feel bad about spoiling that for you. But um, absolutely, um, if you're if you're at all interested in kind of true crime and true crime documentaries and the way that documentaries function, uh, and Errol Morris's career, this is a must watch, and it is currently streaming on uh, Netflix, um, which is uh, probably a, a good thing just because it's. Uh, uh, I, I think they basically picked it up because of the making a murderer thing, um, because they made that document, that documentary series, and uh, it, it really pairs well with uh, with that um, documentary series. Hey, yeah, this is Rob Zombie, and when you're not watching my wife's flat ass deflate even more in every subsequent film I put her in, you should be listening to "They Must Be Destroyed Outside." Movie podcast, yeah, Mars News podcast. I will uh, go into a little bit more making a murderer now, just because uh, I am gonna. I am at the end, and uh, if uh, you, you're not interested in hearing that, or if you think you're gonna watch it and don't want spoilers, then um, you can go turn it off. But um, making a murderer is fundamentally a story about uh, the failures in the justice system. Um, there's been a lot of conversation about you know uh, whether this guy is guilty or not, whether this Steve Avery guy is guilty or not, um, which I think is a um, perfectly fine conversation for us to be having. But I think it misses, to some degree, the point of the documentary, which is about, like, this guy just didn't get a fair trial. Um, and didn't get a fair trial for, for reasons that, that had nothing to do with him. And that feel kind of systemic. They, they, you know, there there is the argument that, you know, well, this guy was, this was a high-profile case, and et cetera, et cetera. But um, fundamentally, this guy had access to, to really good lawyers and had access to lots of resources, uh, even though he was a, a man kind of living in poverty. I mean, he, he wasn't, he was not a wealthy man and he was kind of, he did get kind of ganged up on by the, uh, by the justice system. But ultimately it's about like, it's kind of about to the degree that justice is simply unable to be achieved in our current uh, setup and our current situation and um is is that is it something that we can actually achieve um it is kind of about the fundamental flaws in the justice system and uh, if anyone does want to chat about this um feel free to tweet at me or email me or whatever and i would um i would love to uh, kind of detail more thoughts on maybe if lee watches this or, or paul watches this we can have a, a conversation on the, on the main show at some point in the future um yeah, I think that's about it. Um, thanks a lot for listening to me uh, babble on uh, by myself for 20 minutes or so about um, some movies I've watched. Uh, next week, we are planning on doing uh, Fritz Lang's M from 1931. Um, there's also a uh, kind of a film noir uh, American remake uh, from 1951 that I think we're going to be discussing uh, at the same time. So I look forward to that. And then uh, the episode after that is going to be uh, Dawn of the Dead. So, uh, and that's going to be the kind of big, we're all just going to gush over how brilliant Tom of the Dead is for our, our big episode 50. So, uh, look forward to all that. It's going to be great. Uh, thanks to Lee for letting me uh, kind of do a little uh, commentary here. And um, see you next week.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For our other episodes, links to Daniel, Paul, and Lee's other stuff, and links to some great podcasts of similar interest, visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can leave us comments on the site or directly email us. We listen and respond to everything. Thank you. Drive through.